Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, hi, awesomes, and welcome back to another episode in our Extra Awesome series. From time to time, we take a break from our regular schedule to talk to interesting people doing awesome things. Today, I am so excited and so honored to be joined by Dr. Mary Yamashita, who is an assistant professor of clinical radiology at University of Southern California's Keck School of Medicine. She's also currently the director of the mammography division of the LAC USC Comprehensive Health Center, and she's a member of the multidisciplinary team at Norris Breast Center. Dr. Yamashita has been a breast cancer imaging specialist for over 19 years. So Dr. Yamashita, thank you so much for joining us today here at Sorta Awesome. Thank you, Megan, for having me. I'm very excited to be um, on Sorta Awesome to discuss this very important topic related to breast cancer. It is so important. Listeners, as you know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And so I'm so honored that Dr. Yamashita has time to join us to talk a little bit about breast cancer screening, what we are talking about when we talk about making sure that we're getting screened well, and a little bit about what the future of screening for breast cancer looks like. But Dr. Yamashita, I want to start just by kind of asking you, what are some of the basic guidelines when it comes to breast cancer screening? For example, I turned 40 this past summer, just in June, I turned 40. I have to confess, I have not been in for my first mammography yet because I kind of grew up in the age where every, you know, there's a lot of emphasis, especially when I was in college and a young woman really focused on self-checks, which I have done regularly throughout my life. But are self-checks, mm -hmm. is that even still recommended? Or are we really looking towards a little bit more advanced way of screening for breast cancer now? Yeah, well, there's, very little scientific evidence that monthly self-breast exams help find breast cancer early when women are also getting screened with mammography. Okay. Um, most often when breast cancer is detected because of symptoms like a lump, a woman discovers the lump during showering or dressing. Mm -hmm. So we no longer recommend monthly self-breast exams but we do recommend that women become familiar with how their breasts normally look and feel and report any changes to their doctor right away. There are several things that you have to be familiar with your breasts. So, for example, 
our breasts are normally very lumpy. Mm. So we have to get used to how they feel. So don't be shy. Touch your breasts. Definitely. And see how lumpy they are. Okay. And you'll notice that they're very lumpy. If you feel a new lump that is harder than the rest of your lumpy breast, harder meaning like a, like a feel of a rock underneath your skin, then you need to let your doctor know right away. And also, um, our breasts are not always symmetrically developed. <laughs> Um, just like the rest of our body. Right. So we need to know if one breast is normally larger than the other. There's so many times women come in and they have, they say, oh, there's swelling of my left breast. And when I look, they're about the same. Um, so I ask, I say, is your breast normally symmetric or is one larger than the other? And believe it or not, a lot of women don't know. So I think it's important to just know if one breast is smaller than the other. So if you see a change in the size of the breast, then you need to come in. Okay, that is so interesting. So kind of what I'm hearing you say is that um, self-checks are beneficial for women in terms of just kind of getting to know their breasts and what they feel like under normal circumstances, just to kind of be aware of anything that comes up that's troubling. But in terms of breast cancer screening, that we mm -hmm. may be wanting to look at something a little bit more advanced. Is that is am I kind of hearing you right on that? Yes. Yeah, so we're not putting pressure on women to find their own cancer. Oh, okay. um, we're, we're actually switching the gear and, and asking every woman to have a mammogram. Okay. All right. Let's talk about mammograms because like I said, I'm one of those. I know I need to make my appointment. Maybe I should have already. <laughs> I'm at 40. Maybe I should have already been in. So let's talk about some of the basic guidelines, what we need to know, and especially if women suspect they might have risk factors that would change kind of like when they should be making that first appointment. Right. So the basic guidelines for uh, breast cancer screening is very simple. Yearly mammograms starting at age 40. Okay. So um, the fact is that today mammography is the best tool we have available for screening for breast cancer. So our goal is to find the cancer early in women who do not have symptoms before you start feeling it. Now, that's early detection. So early detection usually means that the breast cancer is found when it's small and can be treated successfully. So you can lead a long, happy, healthy life. Um, but there have been a lot of conflicting reports um, about when to start getting a mammogram and how often. Yes. And the information out there can be very confusing. So um, the controversy actually began in 2009 when President Obama asked the United States Preventive Services Task Force to analyze all the data on mammography, but they only selected limited studies that underestimate the life-saving benefits of screening mammography. And many of those studies were decades old, and wow. those results were, yeah, were derived from outdated mammography equipment with suboptimal image quality. And also, believe it or not, um, U.S. Preventive Services Task Force had limited input from breast cancer experts when they came up with their recommendations. So just so you're aware, 
they recommend mammogram every two years for women 50 to 74 years of age. Okay. Okay. But you're, it sounds like you're saying, um, wait a minute, hang on. Let's That's kind of right. revisit that because mm-hmm. for early detection, we, we need a different guideline. That's right. So the American College of Radiology and American Cancer Society absolutely disagree with the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force recommendations. Um, American College of Radiology continues to recommend yearly mammogram at all ages, starting at 40, and this is for average risk women. Okay. And American Cancer Society recently changed their recommendations um, after the U.S. Preventive Services Service Task Force came out with their recommendations, and they uh, recommend that for women 55 and older, they have the option of having the mammogram every other year or they can choose to continue yearly mammograms. So they're leaving it up to the women to decide. Interesting. Okay, let's talk about some of those risk factors because I noticed that you said that is the recommendation for women with average risks. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about a little bit what constitutes for women a higher than average risk factor. I'm sure that genetics and heredity play a role, but I'm, I'm wondering kind of what, like what that looks like in your opinion for higher risk factor women. So women um, are considered at high risk if they have a lifetime risk of breast cancer of about 20% to 25% according to risk assessment tools. Um, there are several risks assessment tools that are available to help doctors estimate the women's breast cancer risk. Okay. And American Cancer Society recommends using the risk assessment tools that include family history and first-degree relatives. Um, those are parents, siblings, and children. Okay. And second-degree relatives, such as aunts and cousins, on both sides of the family, that's mother's and father's side to decide if a woman should have additional screening for being at high risk. So women at high risk for breast cancer should get an MRI and a mammogram every year, typically starting at age 30. So instead of 40, they need to start their screening much earlier at the age of 30. And so you just add the MRI to the mammogram. So we're not taking the mammogram away you just add the MRI to the mammogram because although MRI is very good at detecting breast cancers, it can still miss some cancers that are only seen on mammogram. Okay. Wow. At age 30, that is much younger than I realized for women who do have higher risk factors that they are aware of and need that extra, you know, extra decade, really, it sounds like, of early screening. Right. And women um, are also considered to be at high risk if they have a known BRCA1 or BRCA2 gene mutation. They're the most um, recognized uh, gene mutation out there. Um, and so these women that have this gene mutation have about 45 to 65% chance of having breast cancer during their lifetime. Okay. Oh, my goodness. And how do women go about discovering if they have that specific gene mutation? So if a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer 
um, before the age of 50, we encourage them to have the genetic testing and their first degree female relatives to also have the testing done if theirs come back positive for the gene mutation because it's usually passed down to um, the children. So women actually with first-degree relatives, that's parent, brother, sister, or child with BRCA1 or BRCA2 gene mutation, and they have not had genetic testing themselves, they're still considered to be at high risk. Okay. Wow. That is super important information. I don't have breast cancer, really any cancer in my family of origin. So this is a lot of this is information that I am hearing for the first time. I would imagine that many of our listeners who do have a history of breast cancer in their family are probably a little bit more familiar with Mm -hmm. being tested according, you know, according to whether or not they have this specific gene mutation. But Mm -hmm. thank you for really kind of like specifying that this is something that you're also looking at in these cases. The reason why you should also know whether you have this gene mutation is um, this gene mutation is also related to increased risk of having ovarian cancer. And unfortunately, ovarian cancers are very difficult to screen, unlike breast cancer. So these women should talk to their doctors about the preventive surgeries that are available for them. Okay, so that is super helpful to know on on both of those cancers as well. Mm-hmm. I know that you had talked about too, as we are doing our self checks and we're just kind of getting to know our breasts, how they feel under normal circumstances. I know that just from talking to girlfriends mm-hmm. and other family members that some of us have breast tissue that's different from others and that it's really dense breast tissue. Um, is, is that a risk factor? Is it something that women should be aware of as they're kind of planning um, and deciding with their doctor when they need to begin their breast cancer screening? Right. So that's actually a very hot topic right now, having dense breast tissue. And having dense breast tissue does put you at increased risk of developing breast cancer compared to women without dense breast tissue. So the risk is about four to five times more than with women without dense breast tissue. So what is dense breast tissue? Well, when we say dense breast, it has nothing to do with the size, weight, or feel of the breast. Oh, okay. Dense breast, yeah, dense breast is a description of how the breast appears on a mammogram. So if you touch your breast and it feels firm, it doesn't mean that you have dense breast tissue. Okay. It's only... Thank you for, yeah, thank you for clarifying <laughs> that. That is, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so dense breast tissue is what we see on the mammogram. So um, breasts are composed of two elements. So if you could picture this, um, we have fat and glandular tissue that make up our breasts. So on the mammogram, the fat is black and glandular tissue is white. Dense breasts have a greater amount of white glandular tissue, so the background appears white. The problem is cancers are also white on the mammogram, so it's much more difficult to see a small white cancer on a white background of dense breast tissue. That's why cancers are not easily seen on mammogram in women with dense breasts, and more than 40% of women in the United States have dense breasts. 
this is such an important topic that currently 30 states have adopted uh, the breast density notification law, which requires the radiologist to inform women when their mammogram indicates they have dense breast tissue. So these women with dense breasts are told that mammograms may not detect all uh, breast cancers, and they may also be at increased risk of developing breast cancer. So they're encouraged to speak to their doctors for more information about their risks and additional screening options. Okay. I'm so glad you clarified that. So now, I mean, that might be something that you may not even know. Just say you're like me and you Mm -hmm. don't have really any increased risk factor due to heredity or genetics or family members. And so you may not know until you go in for your first mammogram at 40, which you should do and which I'm going to do. (laughs) You may not know if you do have dense breast tissue until you go in for that first screening. Is is that right? That's right. And so you'll, if you have your screening mammogram and if you have dense breast tissue, you'll be notified in the mail um, that you have dense breast tissue. Okay. All right. And then you can kind of, like you said, work with your doctor to decide, you know, what, what screening will look like for you specifically and personally um, in the future, it sounds like. That's right. So if you already know that you have dense breast tissue, then you should really go to a facility where they offer digital breast tomosynthesis, also known as 3D mammography. This mammography um, was FDA approved in 2011, and it's a three-dimensional mammography that that allows us to look at the breast one millimeter slice at a time. Many scientific data, including our own study, prove that this technology allows us to find more cancers, actually by approximately 40%, because we can get rid of the overlying dense breast tissue and find a small hidden cancer. It's also shown to decrease uh, some of the callbacks that we have for screening mammography um, approximately by 15% because we're able to differentiate um, overlapping breast tissue from cancers. So I think this is something that you want to ask for. And, you know, to, um, to be honest, whether you have dense breast tissue or mostly fatty tissue, this technology, this digital breast tomosynthesis is so much more superior than the regular 2D digital mammography. So you should really find a place that offers this technology. That is, I mean, it's really amazing that this, that we're coming into an age where that technology is available for early screening. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing. Okay, so for women like myself and for women who are younger, who this is kind of on the horizon, I mean, for a lot of us, especially making that first appointment and going in for the first time, it's a little bit intimidating. Sure. Could you kind of, this is something that you have really specialized in for years and years now. So I, I feel like there's no better person to ask <laughs> if you could kind of walk us through what does a typical mammogram appointment even like look like what what can we expect and and is there anything that you could tell us to kind of put our minds at ease as we prepare to go in for these screenings sure when you come in for a screening mammogram the technologist will ask you to change into a gown and your upper body will be somewhat exposed so first thing I recommend that you wear a two-piece like pants and a shirt or 
skirt and a blouse um, so that when you take off your shirt and your bra that you're not exposing the bottom either, you know, so that you feel somewhat covered. Sure. Um, yes, totally. And the technologist will obtain two x-ray pictures of each breast. And when they take the picture, the breast is somewhat compressed. And the reason for compression of the breast is so that we could actually spread out the dense glandular tissues so that the cancer will show up more. And the other reason for compressing the breast is so that there's less radiation um, involved in getting the images. So I hope you know that mammogram uses very low dose radiation, and we were able to decrease the amount of uh, radiation dose by really compressing the breast. So it is uncomfortable. And so I think the best time to go in for your mammogram is after your period when your breast is less sensitive. Right. So don't go in just before your period. Always go after. Right. Um, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because when you're saying compressed, I mean, you're talking like the, the equipment really kind of gives your breasts a, a pretty good squeeze down, yes. right? To, yes. to be able to get the right images. Yes. Okay. Um, and so with the screening mammogram, it's not interpreted right away. So you come in, you get your screening mammogram, and you leave. And you'll receive a letter um, typically within a week with the result. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just so you know, and, you know, people always ask, so how many cancers do you usually find when you do, you know, screening mammogram? So, and the other thing earlier we talked about was how digital breast tomosynthesis, uh, the 3D mammography, decreases the amount of people having to come back for additional workup after a screening mammogram. So right, yes. typically about 10% of women are asked to return after a screening mammogram. Mm-hmm. So ever since we started using digital breast tomosynthesis, that number has come down. Um, so our, um, we call it callback rate. That's when the patients come back. Our callback rate went from 10 to 5 to 7%, um, so which great. is great. Because yes. every time you get a letter that says you need yes. to come in for additional workup, mm. um, a lot of women will panic. Yes. I have close girlfriends who in the past year are going in there for, for their first one and they're getting a call back and it's, it's very nerve wracking because it you is. think, oh my gosh, I, you know, I went in and I, I'm getting a call back first thing and it, it's nerve wracking. So that's amazing that technology is advancing to the point where the number of women who are getting that, um, call back letter, call back information, it, that's dropping. So that's right. And, um, and many times when these women come back for additional workup, it just turns out to be overlapping breast tissue or benign findings such as a cyst, um, which is just a duct that's dilated and f- milk duct that's dilated and filled with water. So when you get this letter that says we want you to come back, try not to panic. Um, just come back, get it worked up. So when you come back, um, you'll most likely have additional mammogram pictures and or ultrasound for clarification and of the women that are asked to come back about 10 to 20 percent will have a needle biopsy and of those women only about 20 percent will have breast cancer so if we're looking at uh, if we're looking at say thousand women who get screened uh, with mammography about 100 will be asked to come back 
for more mammography and or ultrasound. And of those 100 women, about 10 to 20 will have a biopsy, and it's a needle biopsy. It's not surgery. Um, and of the biopsies, about two to seven will um, have cancer. So we detect about two to seven cancers per thousand women screened with mammography. So when you think about screening mammogram, you have to think that the most important thing to remember is that many of these cancers found on screening mammography are small, so they can be treated successfully. And that's our goal. That's so good to know. And in a lot of ways, those numbers and statistics are very reassuring. Just, I'm sure, help put a lot of people's mind at ease. And also to the fact that when they are discovered, when they are that small and treatment is not quite the challenge, then that hopefully is mm -hmm. motivating a lot of us to go ahead and get in and get those early screenings done. Mm -hmm. Right. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that's why I'm so glad that we are having this conversation, especially here in October in Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I would love to ask you while we have you here, um, Part of the wonderful thing I would imagine about your job is that not only do you get to, um, you know, sort of like work with women in the, in terms of the practical application of all of these years of experience as a breast cancer imaging specialist, but also because you are in academia still, you may have some insights into advances in technology, things that maybe not our generation have access to right now, but maybe things that are coming up that the next generation of women might be able to say, okay, now when I go in for a screening, it kind of looks like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're always looking for a better solution, a better way to diagnose breast cancer. And uh, digital breast tomosynthesis has definitely changed the way we um, practice uh, breast cancer screening, but we're still looking for more, something mm. better. Yes. So um, with women with dense breast tissue, we know that ultrasound can detect cancers not seen on mammograms, but the traditional ultrasound is mainly used for diagnostic purposes and not as a screening tool. Uh -huh. So normally with breast ultrasound, a technologist scans a specific area of the breast, and the accuracy of the study depends on the skill of the technologist performing the ultrasound, mm. not the doctor. Mm -hmm. So um, we are currently researching a brand new technology called SoftView. SoftView is the world's first three-dimensional, fully automated whole breast ultrasound system developed to provide detailed images of the breast in women with dense breasts. It actually uses the same sound waves used to look at babies and pregnant women, so you know it's completely safe. Aha, uh -huh. yeah, definitely. <laughs> and SoftView scans the breast while a woman lies on a soft padded table on, on her stomach with her breast in a warm water bath. Oh, wow. That sounds a lot different than <laughs> the sort it's, of traditional. It's very different. The yeah. room is very spa-like, and most women say it's such an amazing experience to have this study. So um, once the breast is in this warm water bath, there's a large ring transducer that scans the entire breast in a single pass, moving from the front to back uh, without touching the breast. And the entire scan takes only about two to four minutes per breast. 
Um, so with SoftView, there's no radiation exposure or compression of the breast. Um, so we are um, in the, we actually launched the study in July, and the goal of this study is to enroll 10,000 asymptomatic women from all across the country with dense breasts that are due for their screening mammogram. Mm-hmm. Um, these women will get both screening mammogram, the regular mammogram, as well as the 3D mammogram, digital breast tomosynthesis, and SOFI exam so that we can compare the performance of all these imaging modalities in detecting breast cancer in women with dense breasts. So the information gathered from this clinical trial will determine if additional cancers to be found with soft view that are not seen with mammogram alone. That is so exciting and truly what an amazing time to see this level of technology, not to mention just comfort mm-hmm. of screening taking place. I have to think that for a lot of women who um, either have never gone in for a mammogram or they haven't been in in maybe a few years, the sort of discomfort of the whole experience might be keeping them away. So yeah. in the future to know that something that's a little bit more, like you said, spa-like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> for a screening experience um, may help even not only in terms of the actual results of the screening, but also just in terms of getting women to get in and get their screenings done. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Well, that is so incredible. As we wrap up, I'm just wondering if you have any other thoughts or any other message that you would like to get to our awesomes and our other listeners who are listening in right now as they are thinking about this being Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Any other words that you'd like to share with them? Well, first with this clinical trial, so we're not the only site enrolling women. We are the national principal site for this clinical trial in the United States. But there are six other participating sites in the country, and they're in Miami, Michigan, Georgia, Wisconsin, Pittsburgh, and North Carolina. So any women with dense breasts that are due for their screening mammogram can enroll in the study. So for more information about the study and how to participate, they can go to discoversoftview.com. So that's discoversoftview is one word, D I S. C-O-V-E-R-S-O-F-T-V-V-U-E. Okay. Dot com. And if um, any listener is living in Southern California, they can email us at softview at usc.edu or call 323-442-9299. And I do just want to mention that, um, you know, we talked about different risk factors, what puts women at high risk. But I want to emphasize that being a woman is the number one risk factor for developing breast cancer. That's right. Breast cancer is 100 times more common in women than men. Mm-hmm. Some men do get breast cancer, but it's mostly women, and it's just being a woman. And we talked about family history and uh, gene mutations, but it's important to remember that most women who get diagnosed with breast cancer do not have a family history and are not considered high risk. Wow, that's interesting. Thank you for clarifying that. I think, uh, again, a lot of women like myself who 
who don't have the family history kind of, I don't know, it's not on our radar. So I'm so Mm -hmm. glad you clarified that for us. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Yamashita. Really, truly, thank you for this information because I know that it will be helpful and encouraging for women. But I think for some women, this information will absolutely be life-saving. So I so appreciate you taking the time to come on Sorta Awesome and share this information to help all of us, including myself, who need to make that appointment and get in there and get our screenings done. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.